Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. of you would love to have a high income job i'm talking investment banker money and then have some kids and decide you want to replace your income so you can stay at home with them well that is the story we are going to have from kate lynch today i can't wait wait to dig in kate how you doing i'm good michael it's so good to see you nice to see you as well kate why don't you give a quick bio of who is kate you're a little bit about your story and we'll just dig in all right perfect so i think i'm pretty uh uh, typical for a type A personality, somebody who went through school, always trying to be at the top of, you know, at the top of my class in law, um, business school, trying to be an overachiever. Ultimately, I hustled my way into a job on Wall Street. And when I was there, it felt like it was the best job I could ever have. Uh, I was working a lot of hours, but the job was pretty exciting. I was probably uh, working, you know, 80 to 100 hours a week, but making $300,000, $400,000 a year. And I loved it. I was advising the CEOs of banks who were buying or selling other banks. I was helping them do multi-million dollar capital raises. So it felt like the top of the world. And my husband and I built a lifestyle, something you talk about all the time, that just assumed I'd have that income forever. And um, I, because I enjoyed the job so much, um, I didn't see any reason I would ever want to stop so much so that when I was 40 and expecting my first baby, I told my boss I would not take maternity leave because <laughs> I thought, you know, I'm used to working long hours. Yeah, I thought, you know, I don't need so much sleep. This is normal. How, how, oh, how it's all good. Gonna, gonna make it harder. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a rude awakening. Um, he laughed just like just like you did, my boss. He's like, well, <laughs> yeah. go ahead and wait and make that decision yeah. after you have the baby. Yeah. Um, Take a time out. So, Take a time uh, like out. I said, I was almost, I was almost, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying your boss is like, hold on, hold on, hold on, time out, time out. Yeah. 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 No. So he, he um, was smart enough to tell me that to make that decision later. Um, but since I was uh, 40, when I had the first baby and I wanted a couple kids, you know, we didn't have a lot of time. So we were lucky enough that we had three kids in four years. And then I found myself four years later with three babies at home. I was on the road three days a week. Uh, you know the story. I wouldn't see them, you know, in the morning. I would leave before they woke up. I'd get home after they went to bed. They were being taken care of by a full-time nanny and an au pair who lived at my house. And it became increasingly clear to me that that lifestyle um, was less important than the kids. But, you know, we like the lifestyle. Uh, and I've heard you talk about how you and your wife, when you decided to go down the route to pursuing financial freedom, decided to cut back on... Uh, living expenses and, and in order to cut corners and find an opportunity to save. At that point in my career, I had about a million dollars in a 401k and I decided, you know, I've got an MBA in finance. I worked on Wall Street. I have helped banks that were on the brink of failure manage to not fail. Surely I'm smart enough to figure out how to um, get a, this kind of income off of a million dollar um, investment portfolio. And certainly listening to you, you know, was a, a driving factor in that as well as listening to other podcasts on real estate. But I decided at one point, 
I'm just going to make this happen or, you know, I'm going to try to make it happen. And if I fail, I can say I tried rather than just driving around at these meetings and miss wishing my kids and wishing that I had done something about it sooner. So I, when was, when was that pivotal moment? How, how long ago did that epiphany? Cause again, I remember when Olivia and I made that decision, right? We were both six figure earners. Uh, by all accounts, we had the nice lifestyle, but we hadn't, very little left over at the end of the month. But again, we loved our jobs. The paycheck would show up the next week or whatever. We had all this stock stuff that would come and go. We're like, we're going to be good, but we ultimately had to cut back. So how long ago did you make that choice? Yeah, it was in uh, 2021 um, because I uh, had moved to Cleveland. I moved from New York City to Cleveland. I was living in the Midwest. I was driving to meetings instead of flying. Uh, so I was listening to all of the, you know, the podcasts on YouTube in my car. And one particular, I, I, the angst was growing. You know that feeling. I, I want oh, something yeah. different. It, it was building. As tug. I'm sure any mom, you know, with young kids has that similar feeling of, you know, I'm, there's got to be a better way. Um, but I listened to one podcast in particular. And the, the woman speaking was a, a single uh, mom with two children. She was a waitress making $20,000 a year and she wanted time with her kids. And the she said she had, she had bought real estate in Detroit. Um, she bought 10 properties. And while she was doing the podcast, she said, now I'm home with my kids. And it just made me really look at myself through a different lens and say, if a woman who's you know, making $20,000 a year as a waitress, as a single mom with two kids in Detroit, if she can achieve financial freedom, then I should be ashamed of myself if I don't go after this, right? I, I If I can advise these um, multi-billion dollar businesses on how to achieve their financial goals, what am I doing not achieving my own financial goals? And that really just changed my mentality. Something that a lot of uh, motivational speakers will tell you, there's wishing it would happen and then there's deciding to get it done. And that day, I my mind shifted and I said, I'm going to get this done. Um, and that what I went from, you know, dreaming and thinking to what you say all the time. I started doing the work. Yeah, it's so it's I love this conversation because one of the have, I don't know if you've ever played the game cash flow from Robert Kiyosaki, but mm -hmm. essentially the game, in my opinion, because I've played it hundreds of times, the game is won or lost the moment you pick your career. Now, what do I mean by that? Yes. In the game. You pick a career and the career has income levels and expense levels. And oh, by the way, the, the way you win the game is you produce cash flow that exceeds your expenses. So if you yes. pick a teacher, let's just say the expenses are three grand a month, or you pick a doctor who's 15 grand a month, I'm going to kick your butt nine times out of 10 as a teacher because my mountain or hill to climb is so much easier than a freaking $15,000 doctor. Cause just everybody starts at zero and it's just easier. So I love the example of the waitress 20 grand. It only takes 10 houses. I'm going to guess it doesn't take 10 units for, to replace an investment banker's income. Well, yes, and no. Uh, so I know. So I completely agree with you. And, but I, I also, that was the message that I was hearing from you and others on the real estate um, podcast in general, which is that, um, you can get 50,000 a year from real estate in, in you know, a reasonably um, uh, short period of time. And so looking at my income, I felt that it, I wasn't sure it was possible, right? And, and I specifically wanted to go on shows like this to share this message with other people like me, people who are doctors, lawyers, business professionals, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year thinking, 
well, it's easier for them. It's funny because people making 20,000 a year think, oh, it's easier for somebody making $300,000 a year to replace their income because they have all that money. But like you said, like your lifestyle requires it. Um, it's it's a lot harder to take your kids out of private school than to never put them into private school, right? And my goal was to try to replace my income with real estate and not make the lifestyle changes. Um, I'm not saying that um, I was completely unwilling to do it. I decided to try to achieve that goal. And ultimately we got there without cutting back on the on the lifestyle. But um, I recognized that had I been a little smarter 20 years ago and not letting mm -hmm. the lifestyle keep happen, I would have been able to retire earlier, maybe easier. At the same time, I'll say it's possible to get there. And uh, I, I did max out my 401k every year of my, you know, from the time I was 21, and, you know, until I was 40. So I had that build up, but I wasn't investing in anything specific. I was mostly investing in uh, uh, index funds. So I think anybody who maxes out their 401k from the time they're 21 until they're 45 should have a pretty healthy portfolio to start with there. And, um, you know, just if you didn't touch it, right? And yeah. so if you haven't done that, you're going to have a much higher hill to climb and you probably are going to have to cut back on expenses. But if you have been putting your max in your 401k and just getting the market return for the last 25 years, then there is a there is a path to get you there. Is it easy? No, of course not. It, it, hmm. it took a lot of analysis. It took a lot of time and certainly a lot of bumps along the way. Um, but ultimately, um, the path that I chose uh, is I'm investing in triplex properties in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, the And they're all, I put them all on uh, Airbnb as short-term rentals. Oh, okay. So the in Cleveland, an Airbnb, I'm sorry, in Cleveland, uh, rather, uh, the long-term rental rates are around $1,000 a month for uh, per floor. For a triplex, the short-term rental income is about a hundred dollars a night, and that's an average over the course of a year. It obviously is lower in the in the winter and higher in the summer, but a hundred dollars a night averages out to three thousand dollars a month times three floors. Yeah, with a hundred percent so occupancy. My properties get exactly, and that. But I'm saying like that's. I'm just saying the average, right? I, okay, I, yeah, some yeah, nights yeah. I'm renting it two hundred fifty dollars. Oh, right. So I, I my I average. Yeah, my average income. Um, across the year it, for a triplex is seven to 11,000, right? I mean, it, it, okay. you know, I have some, some $7,000 months, I have some $11,000 months. That's Got phenomenal, it. right? And these, these were properties that cost around, you know, $300,000 to purchase. All right. So, and again, so you made this choice to go after it pr pretty recently. We're talking the last three or four years. Yeah, 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 2021. Uh -huh. All right. So yeah, my first, you... I bought the first property in July of 21. So tell us about it. Well, did actually the, before you tell me the story, did you know going in that you were going to do short-term rentals, or did you go no. going in? I, I okay. Tell us about it then. Tell us that first one. Yeah. So, it, in all honesty, your book was a huge help, right? So I, I said I'm going to get it done. I started getting all the books I can. I found your book, um, and I loved your philosophy of just buy the first one, right? Because mm -hmm. once you buy your first one, you'll get your second one, you'll get your third. And when I read your statement that once you have four, it changes your life. I thought, yeah, that's right. That like, that's what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get four. It's going to change my life. And it absolutely did. Um, but I started looking, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm relatively good at financial analysis. So and I also really resonated with your, your idea of something you can drive to. It doesn't have to be in your backyard, but you want it to be something you can go look at Right. If, it, it, you know, you want to see the property, um, I'm a little nervous about the idea of long term investing. I know people make it work. That risk profile didn't didn't work for me. So I looked within about a four hour drive of our home 
Uh, I was looking at, uh, I used MashVisor ultimately uh, to look at short-term rental values. At first, I thought I was going to be doing long-term rentals because I didn't know much about Airbnb or short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. uh, I just started looking at what kind of rent I can get relative to the purchase price of the property. And I found that here in Cleveland, um, the cash flow on a triplex is better than the cash flow on a single family home. It's a little less per month, but you have three units, right? right. And Understood. Cleveland is a market where there are you know, probably thousands of triplexes. It's just a property type that happens to be available here. Hmm. So as I analyzed what property type would give me the maximum cash flow, I settled on the triplex in Cleveland. And then I uh, started uh, hearing about um, renting to, for example, travel nurses yeah. and recognizing we have a phenomenal healthcare system here in Cleveland. People from all over the world come here. And I thought maybe travel nurses would be my target audience. Uh, and then from there, it sort of led me toward hearing about uh, using them for short-term rentals and Airbnbs. And I thought, you know, what I'll do is I'll I'll get the, the triplex. I'll, I'll furnish it with the least expensive furniture I could find. I literally bought some furniture from Goodwill for the first one. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, the, the, the especially wood. I love wood furniture from Goodwill, an yeah. old dresser, a nightstand, that kind of stuff is high, high quality. Um, mm -hmm. It looks, you can clean it up so it looks beautiful and it'll work in a, in a short-term rental. Um, sure. But then I thought, well, I'll I'll listen on Airbnb. I'll see how it goes. I'll market it to the travel nurses, see which one makes more money. Um, and if it doesn't work out, then we just go the long-term the rent. Uh, and within the first probably two, three weeks, I was blown away by the amount of activity we had. I mean, it, it just started booking up right away. Mm. Um, the prices I was getting and the occupancy rates were both higher than, than what I was expecting. Um, and that first one did so well that within probably... And maybe two months or so buying the first one, I went and bought a second one. And that first year we had four altogether. Now, I don't want it to sound like it's all roses and butterflies. We had a lot of bumps <laughs> along the way. The um, Being a nervous first-time investor, uh, I, I, did, I made the mistake that a lot of people make, and that's I bought a place that was uh, pretty cheap and needed a lot of repairs, thinking that that was... Uh, a uh, uh, better decision than buying a, uh, a fully renovated place that that cost twice as much. Mm -hmm. So our first place we bought for 180,000 cash. Uh, I knew it needed renovations, but it needed more than I knew. So we mm -hmm. ultimately spent about $100,000 to renovate it. And after we finished renovations, um, uh, I decided to get a loan on it, you know, thinking I'd use that burst strategy, but the appraisal came in at 235,000 on a property. I had just spent 280,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a win. Um, no, it doesn't feel like property, a win. No, it doesn't. But once I had the loan, my total invested cash was a hundred thousand. Okay. And that place makes at least 50,000 per year of profit. That's that's that doesn't suck. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, the fifty percent uh, return on my cash investment is absolutely win, and that's why, like I said, once once that started running, um, I started looking for other properties where I could do the same thing, and uh, well, not the renovated. I find it's hard though. The Cleveland market um, tends to not uh, the the long term rental market tends to not require um, updated kitchens and bathrooms. Uh, a lot of them have sort of gross, uh, either uh, you know, carpet or wood floor that hasn't been refinished in many, many years. Uh, they all have terrible plumbing and terrible electric. So um, 
when I've been a long-term renter in Cleveland back in my, in my early, you know, when I was in college, I, I rented a place, you have a window air conditioner unit, you have to turn it off when you blow dry your hair or you'll blow a fuse, right? That's just, we all know that in Cleveland. Um, but to um, put those houses on Airbnb, you can't have it like that. You have to update your kit if you want to be successful on Airbnb. So as much as I've tried to buy properties that are um, more renovated, I found I always end up have to, having to do a lot of repairs, even on the nicer places, not, not quite as much as on that first one. Um, but, you know, for example, we bought a place in March of last year, so about uh, 10 months ago. And in this case, I at least went to the bank with the idea that um, I said, I'd like to get a construction loan on this house or a renovation loan on the house. So you guys finance uh, the renovations. That way I'm not just out of pocket all of the, the renovation costs on the house after putting 20% down, right? And uh, the bank said, you know, they'd be happy with that. They sent an appraiser out to look at the house. It was listed for, I think it was listed for 240,000. We had negotiated a purchase price of 230,000 uh, knowing it needed a roof. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is not cheap, and as well as you know, completely new kitchens and bathrooms. These were these the house was more than 100 years old, and the kitchens and bathrooms were 100 years old as well. So um, the appraiser came out, and he rent he valued it as uh, 230,000 as is, and 240,000 fully renovated. Ah, what I was like the. The the roof alone is going to cost twenty thousand dollars. How I don't I don't understand how that can be accurate. But uh, you know the the market value of the house might be two hundred thirty thousand. I guess they just assume that the buyer is willing to suck up the the twenty thousand dollar roof uh, replacement. Um, the house is so beautiful. I I mean I can't even tell you what the you know a, a hundred year old house. It's it has you know French doors uh, from the living room into an office. It has a gorgeous uh, you know front porch. I just love the place. But there was, you know, the bank said, you know, sorry, we can't finance the construction on it because the after repair value doesn't justify it. So we were back in the same place, just saying, all right, well, if I can bake, they, the bank actually, um, they were a little helpful on that. They allowed me to just put 15% down. <laughs> I think they were keeping the loan in house anyway. So we put 15% down um, and then just, you know, had to finance all the renovations out of pocket. And uh, again, that one, uh, if anything, is doing better than the first one we bought in terms of the um, the monthly. We've gotten there a, a number of um, three, four month renters paying three thousand to four thousand a month per floor. Wow. And uh, so the the finances make sense, even if you have to come out of pocket. Um, and I, I I describe it to people. I've heard um, they you know a lot of people say there's an inverse relationship between appreciation and cash flow. And my concept is that. It's true so much so that here in Cleveland, the appreciation day one is actually negative, yes, <laughs> but the cash flow is equally. Right. There you go. I like it. I like it. So I I don't know Cleveland at all. So some of these questions may be crazy. What is it? What makes it unique that it could offer consistently three or four thousand bucks a month for short or midterm rentals? What is what is is it because of the hospital system? Is it because of universities? Where it seems like you hundred dollars. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so if you think about it, Michael, a hundred dollars a night for a hotel is pretty cheap, oh, right? That's true. I mean, most okay. if you're going to try to stay in a hotel, right, in in a in a major city like Cleveland, I mean, you, cer you certainly are like you could stay at the you know the the whatever econo lodge at the airport for eighty dollars a night, right? But you don't get much cheaper than a hundred a night for a hotel. 
but you're not staying in a hotel. You're staying in the first floor of a uh, three-bedroom house. It, I mean, that's right, the three-story house. It's a, um, uh, you know, you have your own kitchen and bathroom. You have either two or three bedrooms in each of the units. Uh, the, all of our third floors are, are single bedroom, but for the second, first and second floor, you're getting 2,000 square feet of space. You have a living room. I put, um, I always put cribs and rocking chairs in our places. Um, people come with their family, uh, you know, all the time because one of the family members is having a procedure done at the Cleveland clinic and they'll be there for two weeks or four weeks. Mm. And that you might have um, adult children with their children. They come in and out. So they'll rent the place for two months and they take turns coming in and out. Uh, for them, $100 a night for that place is a steal. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So again, you got some is good, more is better. You you kept you you found a strategy. You locked into it, fifty percent profit on the first deal. Love that cash on cash. What? Uh, when did you get to the point you're like, okay, I can stay home. I can be a stay at home mom now. How fast did that come? Yeah. So I I, I was able to get an average of fifty thousand annual run rate profit for each of the first four four units. And then at that point, after we had those first four, because you know, you, it, there's some time to do the renovations and the and the furnishing, all that. But I had all four, the first four, up and running um, about a year after I started. Um, and then I just could see that you know we still had a lot of money available to invest, uh, and I wasn't yet there on replacing the income. But it was a couple of weeks before school started for the kids. So literally a year after I started, I, I quit the W two job. Uh, I stayed with home with the kids that summer and just took a little time to to enjoy being with them. And then once school started again in the fall, I got back after finding some more properties uh, and getting to the point where the income would would replace, you know, the, the income I had uh, before. And so we bought, like I said, our, our seventh house we bought just this last March of 2023 uh, and finally got that one running this past June uh, to where it, it, you know, was renting as well. So now we have seven places. Um, yeah. They do average 50000 a month. Um, summer is way better than winter. Um, but uh, ultimately, uh, I was, I'm was i at the point now where I have replaced the income. Um, and uh, I, I you know, wanted to just put that out there to other people, the idea that you can replace that kind of income with real estate. Uh, it's not easy, but it's achievable. Yeah. Uh, again, now you have seven buildings, 21 units, if I understand the math correctly. Do you, I'm assuming you have system in teams. You're not going to do the turns or cleanings or anything like that, I would guess. So I, I, a little, a little more detail. So I tried doing some vacation homes. I have actually three properties that are single family homes that are within a couple hours drive of Cleveland, uh, one down in Hocking Hills, one in Ellicottville, New York, and one in Geneva, Ohio, thinking that the single family homes would make um, comparable returns, but just with one guest instead of three. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> you know, as you know, the, the guests, they, they do take a fair amount of work. Um, ultimately, I actually found that I, I liked the triplexes better. That's why our, our seventh purchase was uh, another triplex in Cleveland. As I'm running the numbers every year, looking at how much we make. Um, mm -hmm. The seasonality in the vacation homes for me has just been uh, costlier than I anticipated. Um, the You have to reduce your price so much to get guests in the off season that it becomes not worth it on a house that, you know, for example, uh, if you have a million dollar house, house and you're renting it for $300 a night, the amount of damage they can do is only oh, yeah. $300 a night, even though it feels like the cash flow will be good. <laughs> that, no, no. You know, you get a group of 20 people staying in your home for 300 a night that it's just that 
doesn't work the way uh, I thought it would. I thought, um, oh, you know, if I, even though I make, for example, the Hocking Hills house, we make $30,000 a month in the summer. That's revenue, not, not profit. But um, I thought, well, maybe if I make 5,000 a month in the winter, that'd be worthwhile. And ultimately it hasn't worked. It's, <laughs> and I'd be better just shutting it down. I figured then, um, you know, they, they destroy the hot tub, they color on the walls, they, you know, break yeah. this furniture. And, and anyway, so the vacation homes, we tried three of them, but long story short, so we have uh, 16 units in total okay. across the, the properties. Uh, I do have a team that handles the cleaning. Uh, each place that we've bought, we've been able to find people to do the cleaning. And those are two things you need. You need cleaners and handyman. And then mm-hmm. um, I myself am the you know answering the guest questions, uh, approving the guests. There's a learning curve to figuring out who to decline. It's not perfect. Sometimes you know a bad guest sneaks through, but uh, for the most part, you know that 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 aspect of it I do myself and um I find that it probably takes me managing them somewhere between two or three hours a week right it's not a lot of time um the only real negative to it is that those two to three hours are usually not the time when you want to be doing that it's either you know when I'm trying to put the kids to bed because they're trying to check into the house at you know seven o'clock on a weeknight the kids want me to read them a book and, I, and my kids all know when a guest calls, mom has to answer the phone and they know that that mom gets to stay home with them because we have those guests. Right? There you go. There you go. So I'm curious, right? When you kind of play it forward, uh, you've obviously probably thought of this, but let's put it out there. Given that those three homes uh, maybe aren't working, have you thought about 1031ing out of those into other triplex, kind of move the equity? Or, have you thought of that? Yes. So great question. Two of them are on the market right now. Ah, <laughs> um, there you go. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I told you my Cleveland properties have zero equity in them and negative equity, if anything, or definitely negative equity. Um, but uh, the both the Hocking Hills house and the Ellicottville, New York house um, are probably worth a couple hundred thousand dollars more than what we put it, it what we bought them for even, you know, 18 months later, um, just because those are markets that um, a lot of investors are buying in. So that relationship between appreciation and cash flow has held up. They haven't cash flowed as well. They have appreciated very well. Um, rather than 1031 though, I'm actually, um, another thing I, I, I did want to share with the type of people who might be pursuing this strategy. Um, something that I found that I wasn't expecting as I went down this path, uh, is that once I had the financial freedom, I was done buying houses and had time to do stuff. I found, I started getting phone calls from people asking me if I wanted to get involved in things. And I had the ability to start playing, uh, you know, in professional roles in a, in a small way, consulting or um, assisting in, in, in startups. And it's something that when I walked away from the investment banking job, I had a little bit of anxiety around leaving the career I'd built for 25 years. And I thought, you know, it felt a little bit like a failure, even though my kids are worth walking away from it. Um, I definitely felt that um, pull of, yeah, you know, do have have I uh, is it is it a mistake or or just is it you know why am I giving that up but um I made that decision thinking I was walking away forever so much so that I didn't even take my contact database with me which I now regret (laughs) as I realized that there were ways I could have yeah could have used that um but I thought oh I'm gonna be you know home with the kids doing homework making dinner I I don't need my contact database no uh I should have kept it but um anyhow the the this new ability to pursue professional roles 
in a consultative capacity uh, or stuff that's just more exciting and fun without any of the pressures of the W2 job, without a boss or any expectations around, you know, if I if it works or if it doesn't work, is so incredibly exciting. I, I had no idea. I did love my job before, but it's a new way to love your job when there's all the fun and none of, of the pressure. So um, my uh, older brother was a fintech uh, entrepreneur and he was incredibly talented. He sold two companies to Visa. And uh, about a year ago, he reached out to me and said, um, he had started a bourbon distillery as a passion project. And he said, he sees an arbitrage opportunity in the bourbon space. And he said, you know, he's a FinTech guy. He, he, he thought this looked pretty incredible. He said, you're, you know, you're a Wall Street person. Just look at this and tell me if it's true. Is, is this as good as I think it is? Um, and so we spent a couple months running numbers and scenarios and modeling. And at the end of it, I was like, this is the coolest investment opportunity I've ever seen. Um, and so we're starting a private equity fund. We're going to raise 10 or $20 million. We're going to just, you know, buy wholesale bar barrels of bourbon and sell them after two years. Um, while I enjoyed raising money for the banks that were my clients, nothing compares to being in an investor meeting with my brother and having somebody, you know, I mean, he's phenomenal, but it's to see him crushing it in an investor meeting in front of these investors who who I have a high opinion of and and have them see the amazing uh skills that he has uh it's it's so much better <laughs> than doing yeah. that with uh with my bank clients not that I didn't enjoy helping them but it doesn't yeah. compare to how it feels when you're um doing something that not only is helping my brother but it's also I'm you know I'm uh, one of the members of the of the company sure. so it's also something I I didn't see myself as doing anything entrepreneurial uh and I certainly would not pursue anything entrepreneurial that would take away my ability to spend the whole summer with my kids doing whatever we want but this is a, a way that I can get involved in something on the terms um, that I'm willing to, to offer, uh, the amount of time that I'm willing to give to it, and zero expectations around, uh, you know, uh, what anybody else is telling me to do. Yeah, the beauty of of earning that financial freedom is is powerful because you get to make choices, and you don't have to require the income. Right? If it comes, it comes. It's great. Don't get me wrong, but you can chase yeah. impact. It, chasing impact is a lot more fun. Yeah, it is. I, you know, when my brother first brought it to me and he and I both were unsure if it would work, um, first we just were trying to assess, is this something that makes sense? Will, would people want to invest in it? And we both came to the conclusion that we think so. And then he said, you know, would you want to be involved? Do you want to help with it? And I said, yeah, I would. But I said, he said, how much would I have to pay you? And I said, you actually don't have to pay me anything. I said, we'll do, we'll go down, go down this path together. And then if it works, I'll take a portion of the profit. Yeah, I, I don't I don't need income for the next two years. Yeah, it's just uh, um, it's financial freedom, but it's also just like the concept of freedom is so much better than uh, just the financial side of it. It's true freedom. Yeah, true freedom. Yeah, yeah. So so let's talk to the moms and the dads out there. Let's pretend like they have they have the high incomes, the tech job, the finance jobs, the doctor, the lawyers, dentists, and they're looking at this and they're seeing a big mountain. What kind of advice do you have for them? I'll tell you the first thing I tell every single person, and this is legit. I'm not saying it just because I'm talking to you. I tell them, get your book. Oh. Really and truly one rental at a time was that was the, that was the thing that, that convinced me. Okay. I can, I can handle one rental at a time. I have, I thought when I started down my path, I, I laid out a plan that was going to take five years and if it had taken five years, it would have been worth it. I mean, 
if it had taken 10 years, it would have been worth it, right? My baby, when I started, was two. If I got to financial freedom when she was 12, that still would have been uh, a good trade. I got there faster. Uh, I know I had a lot of resources to start with. Uh, I think there are a lot of doctors and lawyers uh, who have a lot of resources to start with. Uh, but the number one step is, you know, you, you got to get started, right? So start with the book. Secondly, um, of the people who have asked me how they can do what I did, and I'll say, okay, get the book, you know, go, go and they'll read the book and they'll call me and say, okay, I read the book. Now what? Now and what? Answer, yeah. Another thing now you say what? all the time. Now you have to do the work, right? So a lot of people who reach out to me sort of want me to do the work. And I say, look, I, you know, God bless you. I'm glad that you like what I did. I'm not here to do the work for you. I don't have a day job for a reason. I'm, I'm here to, you know, to motivate you, but not do the work for you. Um, and it's a, uh, I think there's work involved. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it for you. Nobody's going to do it for you. But if you make that same commitment that I made and you do the work, it's possible. You can get there. And maybe it'll take you one year, maybe it'll take you 10. Uh, hopefully, um, a lot of people have that um, 401k they can start with. For me, the 401k was was the path. It doesn't you know, have to be that way, but um, it will go a lot faster if you've got that. If you don't have it, maybe it'll take more time, but it is it is still possible. It's, it's not just for people who are making $40,000 a year to achieve financial freedom. Yeah. The big thing I want high-income earners to realize is I've, I've met, I know a lot of you and most of you pull out a spreadsheet and say, Michael, I can't get there. It's going to take me 212 units in 87 years. And I'm like, stop it. You got to get one and then let's get to four. Yes. After that, we can decide what to do. But if you get to four, worst case, you have more options later, right? Stop, stop doing mental gymnastics that make it seem impossible. You haven't even done one yet. Why are we thinking about 217? I mean, come on. And you learn as you go, right? I said, I started down the path with the triplexes and I started thinking, oh, maybe the vacation homes are a better route. Uh, so I, I got a couple of those and then I said, oh, they're actually not <laughs> doing as well as I thought. So, and th this strategy works in my market. Um, I have a, a friend in Columbus who wants to do it. And I and they said, there are no triplexes in Columbus. I said, I can't answer the question for you for what works in Columbus, right? That strategy works. Here That's your job. So <laughs> as I... Yeah. And I analyzed the options that are available within a four hour drive of me. And this is what I came up with. I'm not suggesting that everybody should come to Cleveland. Um, just that you have to look within the options available to you and find something there. And if, you know, people want to do long distance investing, have at it. That's not my preferred path. Um, but there are so many ways to get there. And like you said, once you get your first one, you'll learn how that one went. Maybe your second one is a slight pivot from that. Um, just, just, do that first one and you'll, you'll have the, at that point, the confidence to do a second one. Yeah. Folks, at the end of the day, that is possible. It does take work. Um, sorry, choose your heart. Just choose your heart. What do you think? I I'm on board. I, I think that, um, I, I'm really happy that I had a chance to to say thank you to you because uh, you were so influential on me getting down this path. I knew I wanted to do it. And I spent, you know, just like everybody else, I spent a long time thinking about it and not doing anything. And once I took your advice, it, it worked. No, shocking. Do Oh, that's awesome, Kate. Well, you've been amazing. You have been featured on Bigger Pockets. Could you tell us what episode number that was? 
Oh gosh, you know, I don't even know the number. It was it was last week. Um, yeah, it's just you know, telling the same story that uh, it's possible, and specifically talking to the high net worth uh, individual uh, that you can um, you can achieve this too. And it's not. I think a lot of the uh, real estate press out there is focused on people who have limited resources and telling them how to achieve financial freedom. Um, and sometimes the people who are on the other end of the bucket uh, is sort of are left out of that conversation because there's the assumption that they already know what they're doing and they're getting yeah. good financial advice. And that's not necessarily true. Not necessarily true. Not necessarily true. Kate, do you have an Instagram or a place we can send people to follow you? Thank you. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. So the my LinkedIn handle is Kate Lynch Capital. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's really... Uh, that's where all the business people go. LinkedIn. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Kate, you're amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Have some fun. And thank you for the story. It was, uh, it was wonderful. Take care. It's great to see you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.